everyone, and welcome to the Glad to Podcast. I am Lauren Romo. With me, as always, is my cousin and fellow nerd, Andrea Gutierrez. Greetings. Salutations. <laughs> Bright <laughs> suns. Bright suns. I like that one. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> What's going on, Ange? You doing all right, Oh, uh, nothing. You know, I'm on vacation this week, so I'm pretty excited. I get to sleep a uh, normal <laughs> uh, sleep schedule. I don't have to go to work. Uh, so, uh, I, you know, just being on vacation, like, just puts that refreshing feeling inside of you. So I'm excited just to hang out around the house and not be at work. <laughs> get those Z's in, pal. Get, the, get that sleep in. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, if this is your first time listening to us, welcome. We are a Star Wars podcast that discuss anything and everything within that galaxy far, far away. In each episode, we will dive into one or two topics and have a general discussion on them. Topics could be movies, TV series, books, comics, a specific character, you name it. We talk about it. Andrea, we are going to have some fun today. We're talking Rebels. We are diving deep into Rebels. Uh, we got a kind of four-part series coming out for you guys. So we're doing each season uh, individually, and we have a guest for each season. So we're super excited to have back on the show from Finest Editions, Christopher, our good friend. What's going on, buddy? Hey, hey. Feeling good today. Feeling good. I'm happy to be back with both of you. This is good. I you were uh, you were two of the the coolest people in the Star Wars community, <laughs> and I seriously, I mean, I love chatting Star Wars with you guys, and having the opportunity to talk about this topic today uh, is going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm just I feel good to be back. So thank you so much for having me today. Can't wait to talk oh, Rebels. Oh yeah, I mean, I knew when you and I were talking, uh, I knew you were a huge Rebel fans, and I remember I was like, I got to get them on the show. Got to get them oh, yeah. on the show. Rebels is like right up there and i know it's gonna be a great time to talk about it right yes. now so it's uh let's get into it i mean season one so we're talking season one here folks and i loved it i mean I'll, i'm gonna i'll get it to get it to youtube but man overall thoughts for me it was spectacular like i i loved what they set up in the first season throughout the the family theme they that they t uh wove in and then really for me, the big, you know, Padawan master relationship between Ezra and Kanan, which we'll probably discuss, obviously, throughout this whole conversation. But overall, it was such a great season. I loved how they introduced this whole ghost crew. So if you're not familiar with Rebels, the ghost crew is a band of rebels uh, that kind of goes out and does good things in the Lafal system. And who's on the ghost crew is uh, Harris and Dula who's the pilot and is probably the best pilot in the galaxy. And yes. if you want to come at me about that, that's fine. <laughs> but she's probably the best pilot in the galaxy. I got uh, you have Jedi Kanan Jarrus, who I absolutely love. He's one of my favorite characters now from this show. Like just his whole backstory and his whole upbringing and how vastly different it was. And I just will, again, we'll talk about him a lot today as well. Uh, then you have Garius, uh, uh, about mispronouncing his name, Zeb. I'll just call him Zeb. <laughs> he has a longer name, but <laughs> Zeb uh, is a great character as well. And then one of my personal favorite characters is Sabine Wren, a yeah. Mandalorian. And then we have the greatest droid, I think, on in the galaxy, <laughs> Chopper. And then yes. obviously in the show, what we do is we are introduced to this orphan. Ezra Bridger, 
who is a uh, force sensitive kid and you go along this wonderful journey, I think with him and the crew in this first season. So I want to get overall thoughts, Andrea, start with you. What was kind of your first impressions? Cause I know your, your introduction to rebels was a little different. I think than uh, most you were not, not late, late to the party, but I was late were, to the yeah. game. I you was late super to the late. Game. You're late to the game because I remember when you and I first started, mm-hmm. like I had the you know, Rebels was going on and I know you weren't familiar with it. So I was trying to hold everything back because I wanted you to experience Rebels like with a yes. fresh, fresh pair of eyes. So how it's kind of go through that and just your overall experience with the first season. Yeah. So I didn't watch Rebels until after we started the podcast and like well into the podcast as well, too. So here's Lauren talking about Harrison Dula and Sabine Ren and I'm like, yeah, whatever. This is no uh luke skywalker right like no han solo like better pilot than han solo get out of here like (laughs) shut up so um and then i was also like oh i don't i don't have disney i uh not disney plus but just disney because this was actually before disney plus right yeah right yeah so then i was like how am i gonna watch these they're like not on netflix i ended up having to buy all the dvds like off of ebay i couldn't even get them off of amazon and then i was thinking I'm not going to like this. This is like, I liked the Clone Wars because there was Obi-Wan and Anakin, you know, you had characters that you connected with. I'm looking at these, these covers and I'm like, who are these people? I have no idea. Like, I am not going to like this. I just knew it. So the minute Kanan said that he was going to let everybody in on the secret and it came out that he was a Jedi, I was immediately hooked. I was so surprised. I have chills right now just thinking about it. I I just didn't think we were going to go there. I didn't think that we were going to have a Force connection, a Jedi connection. I thought this was just like a crew that went around in the galaxy and did things. I didn't think... Um, in the long form of how this is going to connect to A New Hope and how this was going to connect to the original trilogy. So when that started like seeping through, I was like, my God, this is so awesome. And it ended up being my favorite Star Wars storytelling ever. I mean, it really is. It is excellent storytelling. Like you said, Lauren, the family connection between the ghost crew is something to admire. It's just absolutely beautiful. And just to see everybody come from different backgrounds and what they bring is it is so great. I absolutely love it. But I mean, really, what kind of shocked me when I first watched it was the first opening scene is Vader talking to the Inquisitor. I was mm. like, OK, hang on. I think we might be swinging pretty That's big. Your boy. That's your boy. <laughs> I was like, there's my guy. He's yes. in here. They didn't even wait. <laughs> So um, I was like, okay, that like helped me. And then I'm telling you, when Kanan pulled his lightsaber out, dude. And then when uh, that stormtrooper said to Kales, he was like, first time seeing a Jedi? And he like kicked him. <laughs> I love that part because yes, it, it totally was the first time him seeing a Jedi and he was taken aback by it. And that stormtrooper called him out on it. I thought it was so cool. But for Star Wars fans that aren't familiar with Rebels, I, I just don't know how you, you could not be anymore. Uh, it, it's just, it's it's major to the whole overarching story within um, Star Wars and the galaxy and how the rebellion began. I mean, you just, you gotta, you gotta be there. You gotta know how that all began. Yeah, I think the the deeper connection, just like you said, Andrea, with this, that it connects to Clone Wars 
so well, I think, in in like really great ways. But then the overall story that it connects to to the bigger picture of the of the Star Wars galaxy. It's amazing. I mean, like you said, top tier storytelling. This is probably for me my favorite like Star Wars stories stories like overall. Like I love Clone Wars. I think we all I think us three here can say that. Like we love Clone Wars. There's nothing wrong with Clone Wars. It's fantastic. Especially those last four episodes of the um Oh my god. Siege of Mandalore. Right. Yeah. I mean it's fantastic. But there's something for me personally that Rebels just brings and I'm just like I get hooked. I mean I have it on constantly in my house. Like it just plays. And yeah. I just the animation, I was telling Andrea this, the animation is so good. Like and it gets better each season. Yes. Yes. And I love how it's very Ralph McQuarrie kind of um, inspired, too. I mean, Zeb looks like what Ralph McQuarrie drew of Chewie, like his kind of first drawings and all that. I love all that. That, That's the deep kind of small connections that we get with this show that it just, it blows my mind. So, Chris, again, I know this is why I have you on. This is Rebels. What was kind of your intro to it your overall thoughts on like the ghost crew and in all of it i i just got full body goosebumps i'm not even joking right now nice. uh because i <laughs> i figured this question was gonna guess right that's why i'm here and uh you know my introduction to rebels was really different than probably what most people if, if anyone's ever followed me for star wars takes they might have an impression that i'm this like die hard forever have always been locked in but there was a part of my life right after Attack of the Clones up until the Disney acquisition that I didn't really pay attention to much Star Wars, including Clone Wars animation. Um, right. It really wasn't on my radar. I was a touring musician. I was, you know, really deep in the in the music industry. So back when Disney acquired Star Wars, and that's kind of, I've told the story on even on this show, is that when that's when I got into my sobriety and got back into mm-hmm. Star Wars, my childhood mm-hmm. passion, Star Wars. So of course, Rebels came out in 2014. And, you know, I kind of, I was following along to the, the Force Awakens developments and I really wasn't still paying attention to animation. I, I had this thought in my brain that the animation was just strictly for kids. And so I kind of just like shoot it away. I was like, oh, it's like a young adult novel. Uh, like if I, if I come across right. it, I'll watch it. Right. What happened was right, right. the recommendation to watch Rebels came from one of the most unlikely sources ever. And I'm not going to drop names or anything, but someone that has like no fascination with Star Wars, doesn't care. We were at, we were having a cookout and was like, and she was like, Hey, like you should check out Star Wars Rebels. You like Star Wars, right? And I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. It's a kid's show. She's like, no, go watch Rebels. And I was like, okay. Right. It was already in like season, like late season two when I got the recommendation. That's how late in the game I was on this. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> so, nice. Um, Andrea, like you, I did not have access to Disney XD, so I had to contact your local public library, and I got all of the Rebels uh, (laughs) DVDs from the public library, and I fell in love immediately. It was an instant connection with these characters. It was an instant connection with the writing, the development. By the end of season one, you're like, oh my, your your brain is like, where is this going to go? It has all the elements that you love of Star Wars. Right. It has the humor. Right. It has the imperial, you know, it, it really the lead up to Rogue One is really why I love Rebels. This is a time period that I just, this point, is what yeah. I love. Yeah. So let's explore it more. 
you get to see more of the backstory of the Empire, the more inner workings of the day-to-day of what's happening in the galaxy. That's what really appealed to me. But you have these fascinating, totally different characters that you get to explore. You get Space Aladdin, Ezra Bridger, who is like, he, and, and like, to me, like that, like his development is incredible over the, over like, like the whole series, but season one, even watching him so good. just, so he's, good. he's discovering these things and you get to hear that subtle, you know, when they play the sound of the force, when Ezra kind of like feels a connection to the force, it's like that low whistle, but you see him kind of process right, right. what's happening. And when he unlocks a holocron, uh, and then his interplay with Kane and Jairus, my God, my favorite Jedi, Kane and Jairus. I didn't think watching what I thought was a kid's cartoon was going to be my favorite Star Wars either. But Andrea, like you, this is like my favorite Star Wars storytelling. So season one sets the bar, lets you know what you're going to get into. Yeah, there's a couple lighthearted episodes that you would expect um, from a Disney animation show, but it still, it sets the table for these characters. I mean, all the introductions, everything, the backstory, you have a Mandalorian, a teenage Mandalorian. Uh, in this in this crew of oh god, of, I love Sabine. Yeah. I mean, this is so cool. And by the end of season one, you see the the beginnings of the rebellion. Man, like you you have it all in here. So anyway, mm-hmm. that, I know I got like real excited. Uh, but yes, I I learned about rebels from library public <laughs> library, you, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I I constantly I'll soak up anything rebels. I mean, it, it's genuinely my favorite Star Wars. I think, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So. There it is. Yeah, I don't, it's just so, it is something that when you watch it, it's just, you just instantly are hooked. And yeah. I agree with what, with Andrea, what you said earlier, that moment that like Kanan brought out his lightsaber. Oh, I was like, oh, okay, I'm in. Like, this is a hundred percent what I'm going to love. Yes. And his, first of all, his lightsaber was the coolest freaking thing I think I've ever seen at that time. It like it came apart. Like I, yeah. I don't remember seeing anything like that up to that point. Like where it was like a two a two part thing that he had to put together to to use it. It was fabulous. And then yeah, because he had to keep it hidden. Right. Nobody right, right, could right. know that he couldn't have a lightsaber just dangling from his waist. Right. You know. Right, right, I, also, right. I also think it was a part of restraint for him too. Not only having to hide it, but like he he, he you know he's kind of reluctant to show mm, that he's a yeah. Jedi, right? So yeah, he really it's is. almost like a safety measure to have it in two pieces and and like to put it together, he really wants to use it, right? Like yeah, right, that's right. kind of my interpretation too. No, no, that's a really good point, Chris. And then just that, I mean, I really, I do want to get into big moments yeah, specifically for me, but I really want to talk about Kanan and Ezra because those two, I mean, obviously in season one, it's just the beginning, right? And but there's so much to their relationship, like the beginning of the sea uh, of the season, season one, the struggle that those two have with each other, with Ezra trying to learn what the force is, what what he is, you know, learning from Kanan and Kanan being that like reluctant master because he only knew so much. Right. Right. So what we know about Kanan through season one is that obviously Order 66 happened. His master died and he went into hiding so his his teachings are very limited so seeing that struggle between him trying to teach Ezra what he knew and you know and then Ezra struggling to accept those teachings and like learn 
I mean, they were basically learning together. Like yeah. it was, it wasn't like Kanan had so much knowledge, like a Yoda or a, or a Mace Windu or whoever. He his his teachings were limited, you know. But he, but what I love about Kanan so much is that he used like his 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 experiences to kind of teach Ezra in in the ways of the Force, which is I think obviously vastly different than normal you know padawans would learn so just just their relationship i i loved it so much in the back and forth that they have in kind of you know ezra kind of pushing back sometimes kanan trying to push back on ezra like it's just that prototypical padawan master relationship and it's so good though and it's so good i don't chris i mean your thoughts kind of on those two overall it's 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 the best to me. It's the best master and apprentice uh, duo that I've seen in any Star Wars, including even 100%. novels. In Agreed. novels, um, Agreed. because you you mentioned this reluctance that Kanan has, and it's more so he's trying to find his inner self and in what you know. He doesn't want to misguide anyone, but he also doesn't trust his full sense of the Force because of that. Right, right, like right. you know, he was separated from his master Depa Balaba when he was a child, basically. So to kind of discover a Jedi organically on Lothal is probably a, a really, A, it's probably a really heavy experience for Kanan. But then it's also a great experience because he might be able to work with this, you know, this young Jedi. Doesn't really know he's a Jedi yet. And really, I like how they set it up where, you know, Kanan didn't come right out. He sensed it. They sensed each other. You remember right. when they looked right. as yes. well as top, yes. down, they sensed each yes. other. And Kanan wasn't very forthcoming. He wanted Ezra to prove himself that he was able to demonstrate a, you know, the the light side of the force and be a good person, uh, not knowing him. You know, he's a, he's just kind of a scavenger or a thief at that point when he met him. But Kanan kind of put him through the test. And then I think that one point in the series, even Hera said something where, um, you know, by by Ezra unlocking the holocron that he passed the test. And now it was time to... Right. Right. have that talk so then yeah you see the second half of the season open up into this master and apprentice where it's almost even like a older brother younger brother type thing where um, <laughs> right you right, know and right. there's a lot of funny moments but really i think kanan he is teaching him the pure ways of the force not necessarily 100%. going yep. through the rigors of the jedi training the jedi council and it's up to ezra to determine which path he takes ultimately um and with Kanan just kind of being a renegade Jedi, he doesn't really have any stake in the game. If if ever if Ezra goes on the the dark side, then you know I'm sure he would wear that burden pretty heavy. But uh, ultimately, it, the fate is in Ezra's hands. And there's that one episode where they find the hidden temple on Lothal, which was a fantastic yeah. episode where he gets his where yeah, Ezra we'll gets his kyber crystal. Yep. You know, Ezra's faced with that challenge, and uh, like yeah. we see many Jedi in in Star Wars go down the dark cave, right? And Ezra comes out on the light side. And then you get that incredible bonding moment between those two. When, uh, when Kanan is genuinely surprised Ezra comes out with the crystal, uh, the, the Kyber crystal. I love it. I don't know. I mean, I know I kind of went a little heavy into the details there, but love it. It is. It's a great relationship that only gets stronger as the seasons go on. And to see this foundation yeah. set of an unsteady, uncertain master and a totally blank apprentice I mean, it's crazy. And we were always told as Star Wars fans, you can't train him that old. You can't train him that old right, or whatever. Exactly. You know? right. That didn't even get brought up. 
Right. 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 And right. I think Ezra's just so incredibly strong in the force. And um it's such a he's a cool Jedi. I love Ezra Ezra Bridger. I gotta say it. I uh a lot of people were like, oh yeah, he's just a whiny kid. And I and but then no as way. the seasons go on, they're like, oh wait. <laughs> Like, no, okay. he's cool. Yeah, he's yeah, cool. he's real yeah. cool. He's real cool. <laughs> so, he's one hundred percent cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Andrew, yeah. what I mean, I, Chris, I love that you brought it up. The whole finding the temple on yeah. Lethal, Andrew. That that's a huge moment for me, and I, I do want to. We'll dive into that kind of right now because that is mm-hmm. for me. That's a really big episode in this season. Yeah, that episode was like a turning point for me, uh, and and mainly because. When Ezra comes out, like when he's on the ghost and he's putting his lightsaber together, you don't even get to see him doing it. But you see the anticipation of the rest of the ghost crew, like so excited. It's been taking them weeks. What's taking them so long? Everybody's like, oh, I gave him some parts. I did this. I found that. And then when he comes out and he has that blaster lightsaber, (laughs) dude, that was so awesome. That's easily one of my favorite lightsabers, honestly. Oh, hands down. I was kind of mad that it didn't carry through, but whatever. Right. But the investment that everybody had for him to reach that point, right. um, you really got to see that that bond like solidify, you know, coming up to that point, the the relationship between Kanan and Ezra was so great because Kanan, like you said, Lauren, reluctance. He wasn't like, man, I found a forced user. I'm going to take him as a Padawan. Padawan. I'm going to make him a Jedi. He really was patient about dis- making that decision. And then also Ezra wanting to even be a Jedi or learn the Force or even right. take what Kanan was saying seriously. Like when Kanan drops the line, do or do not, there is no try. And Ezra's like, what does that even mean? Right. <laughs> <Just> like. <laughs> That doesn't even make sense. And then later even like calls him out. He was like, I thought you meant there is no, I thought you said there is no try. And then that lesson gets taught through, you know, Kenan's like, you're right. We're going to do this. We're not going to try. So I love those little callbacks from, you know, things from the original trilogy that are sewn throughout these episodes. And so mm-hmm. hearing Yoda in that temple scene is amazing. And the fact that they yeah. actually had Frank Oz do it is just like so good. That's so, so awesome. good. You know, that just goes to show the the seriousness and the level of superiority that Dave Filoni has when he's creating a project and who he can get incorporated into it. So I thought that that was also a really good touch, too. And Kanan being so shocked about seeing the kyber crystal you know, when he was in the Jedi Temple, the only way they got kyber crystals was, you know, when they went off on that that mission on the Crucible and then they went and did that thing with the other Padawans. Yeah, right. yep. I'm sure Kanan didn't think like you could get a kyber crystal from anywhere, but yet here was one presented to Ezra. So that was really kind of a cool moment, too. But that episode, again, it just really solidified how serious like how lighthearted yet how serious Rebels is to the Star Wars yeah. galaxy. Yeah, I think what I love about Rebels is it it does a really good job of being that quote unquote kid animation, right? Like the the kid the 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 story of you know this younger you know, young Jedi trying to find himself. Very prototypical Star Wars story, right? And again, for, you know a lot of lighthearted Chris, like you said earlier, lighthearted episodes and everything like that. But man, there are some really kind of 
adult-esque yes. themes within the entire series, let alone season one, right? I mean, right. Ezra dealing with his parents and not Huge. knowing if they were, right, not knowing if they were alive or dead, obviously he finds out that they aren't alive, and him having to deal with that, and then, you know, him, again, right, the I think an episode or two prior to them going to the temple, they were on the old, uh, which I love, again, this little callback, the old um, station that we saw in Clone Wars at the end of season seven, Anaxis. I think, yes. I think that's it. Yeah. Yes, Anaxis. Yeah. So they were on that uh, on that planet and Ezra and Kanan are trying to obviously lure and they do the um, Grand Inquisitor and Ezra goes full kind of. I, I don't want to say dark side. I don't know. No, but man, he, it's dark side. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He does. He goes kind of dark side and brings that huge creature to the surface and everything like that. And again, I that that kind of starts that journey of I think Kanan realizing like, okay, I gotta, I gotta take mm-hmm. this a little more seriously, right? Because up until that that episode, you know, he was again, Kanan was struggling with with how to teach Ezra, how, how to teach him the ways of the force. Because again, his learn his, his teachings were, are, were limited. Right. So it was that moment. And then I think like, like we're saying this episode of the, of the Lothal temple, huge, huge in this season one, because it goes from there. And obviously the end of the season, craziness, <laughs> craziness oh, happens yeah. with, with Kanan and everything. So I I, I kind of want to jump into that. But actually, wait, before Anne, we jump into Anne. that, before yeah. we jump into that. Yeah, go ahead, Ange. What do you got? What do you got? Dude, that episode right before the temple, what you were just talking about, where Ezra uses the dark side. Just that moment when Kanan's trying to explain to Ezra how to feel the force and to, you know, stop hiding what you're what you're trying to keep down. Um, mm-hmm. to you know, release your fear, and when Ezra does that, and those creatures, I think they're called Frynox or something. Frynox, yeah, yeah. Frynox. Yep. They just uh, like just sit there and are. Oh my God, that's such good. That's a chills yes. moment too. You get to see how strong Ezra is with the Force, and it kind of also is giving you a little glimpse into what he's going to do with the Force later with creatures, yes. you know, and his strong connection that he can have with other life forms. So I thought that that part was really awesome. And then again, fighting the Inquisitor, um, calling to the dark side, saying that he felt cold, all of that. And, and what I when he uses the dark side, you can tell because it is full of anger he uses to push away. And then oh yeah, it is completely against it. So that and then moving that transition into the Lothal Jedi Temple and Yoda and giving Ezra that extra teaching that he needs. That's what else I liked is that Yoda was a teacher to Ezra as well, too. It's kind of like what you expected to see with Ray, but you never got. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's nice to see how they used, you know, outside cosmic beings to and even yoda wasn't dead then but you didn't know that i mean he didn't right. know that right they thought maybe that he was to connect with the force and to connect with his teachings i love that too yeah yeah go ahead Chris. I, yeah go ahead, i do Chris. want to touch in on something that andrea you brought up and i guess you know i i love seasons three and four rebels just because of the heavy weight because i already you know you, you you set all this lore here you set all the characters here in season one I forgot 
watching, watch, rewatching the season to do this episode with both of you. Um, seeing Ezra learn how to communicate with animals or creatures yeah. and watching yeah. that mm-hmm. journey begin in this season is probably like my biggest takeaway on Ezra because it's such a unique force skill that we don't yeah. see very often at all. And, and you're right, Andrew, what you get to see Ezra eventually do is, is mm-hmm. absolutely wild. But to see him right. establish that connection, there's a couple of cute scenes with him, like, you know, triggering loath cats to attack the, the probe droid yeah. and, you know, right. like, cute right. that. But he uh, he has this, you know, by by, I guess, being at his age and Kanan's kind of like, hey, this is how you tap into the force. What you choose to do with it is on you. And he's learned to tap into these creatures. It's just such a cool like I have goosebumps even thinking about it because I love animals. And uh, like I was like, man, I would love to just like, I don't know, like communicate with animals. <laughs> like it's I know it's crazy, <laughs> right? Right. But Ezra does that. And uh, that's such a cool thing to see. I, you know, I really I want to thank both of you again for I, I got to rewatch season one. I haven't done it in a couple of years. And uh, to see a lot of these right. moments that we're talking about today and see where they start from is so cool. Yeah, that that and the the connection he has with the the creatures, like you just said, Chris, it they play it so well in the following seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I'll see it in season four. It's huge. I mean, it is huge. Yeah. So it and it's a cool little like, I mean, you've I again, up until that point, I don't think we've seen a Jedi have that type of connection with with creatures or anything like that. So Not seeing like that. that, yeah. So seeing yeah. something like that was great. And then again, going into the end of the the end of the season, we have we see grandma grandma Tarkin show up. Yep. Which was Dope. awesome. I mean, oh, like sweet. Andrea said, in the beginning of the season, we see Vader straight off. Like he's in yeah. literally the first scene <laughs> right. of the season. And then they have these little cameos, which they do so well, I think, throughout the series. But in episode, in season one, I love the cameos that they use. Obviously, we talked about Yoda in the Jedi Temple. We have a Lando Calrissian sighting, which is great. Yeah. That was a fun little episode. Yeah, um, yeah. We have, obviously, R2 and C-3PO show up. Within that, we obviously have Bail Organa show up. Yep. So it's these, they sprinkled in characters that we are familiar with within the within the bigger kind of Skywalker, original trilogy Skywalker saga characters. And they sprinkled them in to kind of let you know, like I think like we're all kind of saying that this is within that time frame. And it is like these events are important to the, overall story right within the the galaxy so what about also luminara on dually that was yeah, like a cameo i mean that, that gave you that clone wars connection crazy that crazy. was amazing luminara yeah. is one of my favorite jedi mm-hmm. and uh to see that was just i mean it was disturbing but also awesome yeah uh, <laughs> right. obi-wan kenobi Get where we get yeah, to see the full voice, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. and then I think my favorite you when you when you uh, gave me the heads up on cameos. I, this is such a goofy one, but to your point about the larger connected world of Star Wars or galaxy, I should say, when Ezra calls himself Jabba the Hutt, but and then Callus kind of like plays it off like okay, Jabba, and you know he walks out of the room like that was just it was so funny, man, <laughs> so it good. Was- so good <laughs> cameo but nonetheless yeah right but again it was a small little thing that as fans we appreciated and yes. we caught like the reference 
And yes. it was, it was uh, so good. It's really, really good. Um, any any other big moments, Andrea, for, for you? Anything that else stood out within the season one? You know, just a really fun moment for me was the Lando episode, the Idiot's Array. Just watching them play Sabacc and yeah. losing Chopper and you know, <laughs> I love that. how upset uh, Hera was and how Hera handled Lando was just completely amazing. And then oh, as Morgan and yeah. the Puffer Pig, I love when Star Wars is weird. That is just right. one of those weird Star Wars episodes, you know, using yes. pigs to to mine out whatever. And then, you know, you get a reminder that Lando isn't the Lando yet that we know, you know, he's right. not right. like this Bespin, Cloud City, you know, mining guild operator. He's he's just like this crappy smuggler. And, <laughs> and I mean, really, he doesn't even have his own ship. You That's know? True. Yeah, yeah. But he's yeah. slick and yeah, and I love that they kept him slick and slimy. Like you didn't like yeah. him, you know. He was a jerk. I didn't like the way he talked to Hera or you mm-hmm. know, took advantage of um the whole ghost crew. I love when Ezra gets mad about him flirting with Sabine. That crap is so funny. That was good. He's like, I said I liked your art too. And she was like, yeah, but you didn't know why. Like that stuff (laughs) was fun. That that to me, like, um, you know, the serious parts, the big moments, the force, the lore, all that is cool. But to have fun Star Wars just woven in between it is great. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Chris, any other kind of big moments stick out with you, my friend? You know, there's there are so many moments um, that are sprinkled throughout that I can touch on. But I, I, I just want to look at the bigger picture. For me, you mentioned it early on in the show already is the Macquarie design. Um, that is my that's my era of Star Wars, even though I grew up during the prequels or I, I guess I was a young adult during the prequels. But Macquarie's artwork and that influence is all throughout Rebels. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's crazy mm-hmm. how gorgeous all of the designs are, all the planet designs. But then also Kevin Kiner's score throughout Rebels oh, season God. one is uh, so good because uh. you get these flourishes of all the different themes, but they're not exact to John Williams. So there's that. And I guess overall, I love, we've talked about already, seeing Vader and the Inquisitor in the opening scene. You're, you're, so like Rebels, it, it, it kind of touches on the whole George Lucas, you know, it's poetry, it rhymes. Any mm-hmm. Star Wars fan kind of mm-hmm. has, has heard that. But you see this bookend of Vader at the beginning and end of season one, which is a cool touch. And it sets off the theme of the Inquisitor, which was a new concept in Rebels. Uh, for me, as yep. a Star Wars fan, I was like, oh, I i didn't know there were Inquisitors and I didn't know that they were hunting Jedi. What's this? Let's explore this whole thing. And it felt like I could, you know, I, I would love more stories about Inquisitors. Obviously, we have Jedi Fallen Order. We get introduced to other Inquisitors. But man, I can read books about Inquisitors hunting Jedi because mm-hmm. that whole battle mm-hmm. at the end between the Grand Inquisitor, Kanan and Ezra, and then the Inquisitor... There are things, uh, there are fates far more worse than death. Like that line. Oh, and God, that's such a great fire. line. I was like, such I a great line. Means. I know what he means. And that's dark as hell. And like, this is a kid's right. show? Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and I guess there's one other, on a lighthearted note, it's in, I, I think it's in the first, it is in the first episode where Ezra is totally smitten by Sabine, but he doesn't, he's not seen her face. And when she takes her helmet off in the turret, you know, he's trying to be Mr. Cool. He's like, my name's Ezra. What's yours? And then Seb 
comes from behind him. He's like, you know, he says something crazy. Like you're going to be dead meat if you don't get out of here or something, you know, something goofy. But I just love that, you know, Ezra is totally smitten by his future, you know, um, partner in crime or not crime. My goodness. Uh, they're more like Robin Hoods. Um, but that was just a good moment mm-hmm, that stood mm-hmm. out to me. But yeah, there's so many. There's so many good moments in this. Uh, man. Yeah, we've talked yeah, about there, there really are. Like, yeah, I mean, and another, I think one, another big moment, I think for all Star Wars fans. So obviously throughout season one, Hera is in communication with Fulcrum. So oh, Fulcrum yes. is somebody that is giving Hera kind of intel on what's going on within this the rebel cells and everything like that, kind of giving her directions and missions and things like that. So obviously what we find out at the end of this season is that Fulcrum was Ahsoka Tano. Yes. How huge of a moment, <laughs> like... Oh my God, because it, up until that point, the last time we see Ahsoka was when she left the Jedi Order. Yeah. So there's a huge gap of time as fans at the time that the Rebels premiered in 2014. We were like, whoa, 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 where has she been? She's what? What is going on? And it was, again, one of those moments you're like, oh man, they're going places with yes. characters that they've established and that they are, you know, and then to think about the, again, the end of the season as well, who comes walking out of the, right. of the ship is Andrea's boy Vader. So like, That's we know, yeah, there, there is implications. And, yes. you know, as fans, we obviously, we know what's going on with Anakin Vader and Ahsoka. Like we know that, that story. So, you know, at the end of season one, man, there's a lot of things flowing through through fans' heads because obviously, yeah. will Vader and Ahsoka meet up? Like we, that was a huge thing. Like, what's going to happen with those two? Is Ahsoka going to be a part of the the Rebel Ghost crew? I mean, all of these things, and that was just season one. I mean, that then yeah. it was so 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 good. So, it, thoughts, Andrea, on kind of the whole Ahsoka thing or anything like that. Lauren, remember when I was doing the rewatch and I was like, or when I was watching it for the first time and I was like halfway through the season and I text Lauren, I was like, who's Fulcrum? And she was like, I can't tell you that. <laughs> I wasn't going to spoil it. Huge. And that was the best part. Like Lauren never spoiled Rebels for me, like ever. She knew like the big things that were coming up and she was just like, man, I can't wait for you to watch it. I can't wait for you to know and yeah. uh, when I saw that it was Ahsoka, that was amazing. And then to rewatch and hear that conversation with Hera and Fulcrum about not going to save Kanan and to really yep. um, right. yep. to right. keep Ezra as safe as they possibly could, that that was the priority is, is really interesting to me and kind of also shows now like how Ahsoka's um, priorities had shifted and it it was just it's it's fascinating now to look back and catch those little parts. But I mean, huge. I I wasn't expecting it, not whatsoever. I I never would have thought that we would have seen Ahsoka again. I thought she was a Clone Wars character. I thought she went her way. You know, I didn't think that. You think about the amount of Jedi that are left and the amount of people that are invested into the good of the galaxy. I guess I should have known it would have been her, but I didn't. Yeah, it was it was a huge surprise. I mean, Chris, again, what, your thoughts? I mean, 
I was mind blown. Were, did you, was that something you even thought was possible to see her come back in any capacity at all? No, I, I honestly, I thought, I, I guess I thought maybe there'd be an exploration of Ahsoka separate from animation. So, I mean, not, I'm not saying live action. I never thought that. I thought maybe comics or novels or something. But I guess my first thought with Fulcrum was someone like Leia or mm-hmm. someone that, was, mm-hmm. that, we, that we already had known was involved with the Rebel Alliance. Now, here's the thing. The, the Ghost crew... I don't know if they refer to themselves as the Phoenix Squadron in in season one. I didn't I didn't go back and pick that up, but they definitely were no, the yeah, ghost not crew. Yet, not yet, right? I don't. Right. They they didn't know that there were other rebel cells out there. So this whole like <laughs> right this, the fulcrum the fulcrum identity is so fascinating to me, and I think it could be explored. I, I hope that it gets explored in, in Andor, the live action Andor series, where he yes, where Andor yes. could be a fulcrum. Um, but I I really with Ahsoka's presence there. I knew that things were going to get ramped up. I mean, it's just like Ahsoka, even back then, was the most intriguing character to me in Star Wars. Still to this day, is mm-hmm. the most mm-hmm. fascinating and intriguing character. Um, and to hear Ashley Eckstein's voice, I was like, okay. And to know that Ahsoka was piloting the Ghost, I w- which is my favorite ship, I believe. Uh, like, yes, it's a, that's yep, pretty yep. cool. Uh, there was just a lot of cool moments there. But yeah, Fulcrum definitely... I, I I mean that type of mystery stuff is so cool. And then when oh, I don't want to go into further seasons. So we're just here to talk about season. <laughs> one. So right. It was a great start to add some. Uh, I mean, really add some a, a weight to to Fulcrum and what it brings to this larger Rebel Alliance that Ahsoka is able to pull together with Bail Organa. I I hope we get to explore that. I, you know, once again, maybe comics or somewhere where we get to explore maybe Ahsoka's role as Fulcrum. I would like to see that. Yeah, a little bit that'd be, prior to the rebels crew. Yeah. yeah, that'd be that'd be really really cool. Yeah, it it is really like it's interesting what you what you guys kind of brought up of how you know at the end of season one, you know we we knew the ghost crew as just like this kind of offshoot little little band of of rebels that are helping throughout the galaxy, and then come to find out that Hera obviously didn't want to reveal much because she didn't want to get the others in danger in case something went wrong. And even and Kanan didn't know any of that they were kind of part of a bigger a bigger thing. And that that line of when they do find out when Ahsoka tells them uh at the end of the season and Ezra turns to Zeb and is like, Did you know we were we were a cell? <laughs> Like nobody yeah. knew nobody knew that. that so, good. so and again, that's a credit to kind of Hera and Hera's character, who I get she is again, you guys can you guys can at me all day, Loro knows on Twitter. <laughs> Hera is the best pilot in the galaxy. I I, yeah. I have no qualms of saying that because literally there are so many times that she got them out of sticky situations with her flying. And right. again, her, her character of being kind of the mom of the crew. Yeah. Love that. Like that. And, yeah. you know, and you, there were moments that Ezra and her and Hera, man, they, they connected and it was so yes. cool to see as like a, it was like a mother, like a mother son type thing. Right. Yes. It was really, really great to, to see her in that role, but also be that really rock steady leader of the, of the ghost crew. I mean, yeah, Kanan's a Jedi and all that, but, Hera was really, I think, in exactly throughout the series, 
was the rock in that leader of this of the entire group. They looked exactly. up to her. They, you know, they respected her. Everybody, even Chopper, <laughs> even Chopper, he was yep. the only, she was kind of <laughs> the only one that Chopper respected, like, like <laughs> properly. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. really, Hera was that character. And it was great to see, you know, kind of her arc a little bit in season one. And then obviously without with the rest of the rest of the series is fantastic. So speaking of Chopper. Again, oh. he's my he's my favorite droid. I'm sorry. I mean, I love R2. Don't no disrespect to R2. I love R2. Yep. yep. But Chopper is <laughs> I said this to you guys, you know, before we started recording. Chopper pretty much woke up every day and chose violence. Let's just be honest about <laughs> it. Like, right. He woke up every day in like wanted chaos, wanted to yeah. like, just do yes. whatever he wanted, man. Yes. I love it. So there I there are a plethora of Chopper moments in season one. So I, I kind of want to hear from you guys. Andrew, I'll start with you. What's a couple of Chopper, like favorite Chopper moments that you had in season one? Uh, my favorite Chopper moment is towards the beginning uh, where we get the episode with C-3PO and R2-D2. It's kind of like when I learned that <laughs> that Chopper was a jerk, man. Yes. <laughs> this is straight yes. up jerk. And uh, <laughs> just pushing R2 around. Uh, you know, he was a troublemaker, but what was so great was that he was a troublemaker, but he had, you know, like a strong allegiance to his crew. You know, oh, he, he had would, their back. Right. Right. Yeah, he right. Had right. Completely. So, yeah. But when I finally realized like what his deal was, that he was kind of just like a jerk. I, I was like, <laughs> I like this guy. I think he's pretty cool. <laughs> he, yeah. There that that little kind of fight between him and R2 and then C-3PO oh, so is like, oh, I like this guy. Like, you see C-3PO is so like good. a chapter over R2. <laughs> I love it so much. It was so good. Chris, what, Chris, what about you, man? Well, you got a, a couple Chopper uh, moments? Chopper, it, I, I, I'm looking around my, my Star Wars room right now and Chopper is easily my favorite droid. I mean, really, I I instantly fell in love with the grumbles. Like, blah, 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 blah. like that, right, dude, to right, me, that is right, so funny. Right. And and speaking yeah. of the Macquarie influence, you know, Chopper is designed the way that Ralph Macquarie originally intended R2 with the with the right. arms that kind of extend. Mm -hmm. And you can right. get more emotion out of those. So when Chopper gets angry and he just flails his arms, you know, it's just hilarious. But I think <laughs> so me, there there's a couple standout moments. And one of them was the interplay between R2 and C-3PO. So just classic, just classic. But Towards the end, there Chopper gets his own like action scene where he basically um, he's in he's in the Star Destroyer and he blows the hatch. So number one, Chopper has to get off of the Star Destroyer and hit and head up with the the rest of the Ghost Crew. So he's in a Star Destroyer. He blows the hatch and all these stormtroopers fly out into space. So right then and there, Chopper, yeah, he is all about the violence. And that scene to me was wild. And he's, he's <laughs> right. got his, you know, he's got his jet propulsion and he's flying through space and he's kind of just like, he's kind of, he's got his arms out. He's just doing these somersaults and he makes this noise where he's like, oh, and he's just like having the time of his life. <laughs> right? and, he, and he eventually ends up in the, in the, in the ghost. And the scene is still happening. So it's still all part of the same scene. And he meets up with the ghost crew. And then there's that imposter, or there's that Imperial droid there that Zeb was starting to, to yes, like. Yes. And yes. Chopper like goes face to face with this guy. And Zeb's like, oh, I think we'll keep this other droid around. And Chopper just like knocks him out the airlock and he falls, 
you know, the, the droid falls to Lothal. Like that whole like three <laughs> minutes is wild yep. Star yep. Wars. And it shows Chopper's personality. He gets the job done. He takes no prisoners. He has a little bit of fun while doing it. And then he's loyal to his crew and like, don't replace me. That is Chopper it, to me right right in on. three minutes. <laughs> It's such a good scene, but the noise, <laughs> made, I, I can't do it as good as, as Filoni did, but uh, that noise he makes when he's in space is just gold. I was crying. I, I, I was crying. It was so funny. Yeah, it's so good. It, it's funny that that was a whole big secret too. Uh, well, spoilers if anybody hasn't yeah, watched Rebels, yeah. but throughout the, throughout the series, you know, when Chopper's name would come up in the credits, it would just, it wouldn't. It would say himself or, you know, it wouldn't right. it wouldn't say who was voicing him. And then obviously at the end, we find out it was Dave Filoni all, all along. <laughs> right. He was the, right. he was doing those chopper noises, which is fantastic. So good. Yeah. Chris, you yeah, you took one of my big moments, too. Him pushing out the Imperial <laughs> Courier guy was classic chopper. Like he yeah. was oh, like, yeah. really? You want him to? No, nope, <laughs> And he just and they all I like that. It was like silent. And like Zeb and Sabine and Ezra kind of look at him like, did you really just toss that guy out of the ship? Right. And he was like, yep, I did. And he started like, you know, rolling away or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's so good. It's so good. Um, one more for me was they were uh, with Senator, I think it, I, I think I'm pronouncing it right. Senator Tragus, Tra- Travis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is, it's, it's in that episode and they're going down in the sewers and Chopper has to open the hatch to get in and they're all going down and Kane is trying to give him instructions. Like he's trying to talk to Chopper like Chopper. So, you know, before we get back, he was just like, he's, he makes some noise and he shuts, like he shuts the hatch <laughs> almost like decapitating Kanan. I was just like, that's pure Chopper. Like he does yeah. again. Only, you know, only literally only listens to Hera. I mean, let's be honest. That's like yes. the only yes. person that he, that he will listen to a hundred percent all the time. Everybody else it's, it's 50, 50 with him, right? right? Like he'll, he'll either be with you or not. So I yeah, yeah. Ch- chopper is one of my favorites for sure. You're right. So chopper is like, it is 50, 50 because there's also another scene that I had on my notes where Zeb and chopper, you know, Zeb and chopper have this like love hate relationship where they, yes, they like yes. the mischief, but they annoy each other. Uh, it's the episode where Kanan is trying to teach Ezra how to basically see things without oh, seeing. Yeah. And they're throwing yeah. the bottles. And Chopper just starts whipping the bottles full <laughs> speed at Ezra and just goes crazy with them. Right. Like, that's nuts. Like, that's <laughs> super crazy. Uh, and that, yeah, to me, th- everything that we've talked about is why I love Chopper. I mean, it really sets the tone right. for further mischief. And he's just super, he is loyal to his crew, though. He just, I think yeah, he just likes the to, thing. Yeah. He likes to annoy him a little bit. That's how he, yeah. that's how he passes time. <laughs> yeah. So. But, and that's, a, yeah, I think that that is one thing you can't take away from him is his loyalty. You, yeah, he's loyal to that crew. And obviously throughout the whole series he is. And yeah, there's, yeah. oh my God, so many great moments throughout the whole, through whole series with Chopper. But yeah, those were, those were a couple good uh, Chopper moments for sure. I love it. <laughs> Um, okay, before we get into Ask the Gals, any kind of last thoughts with Rebels Season 1? Andrea, I'll throw it to you. Uh, gotta mention the painted TIE Fighter. The yes. Yeah, Sabine's tricked out TIE Fighter, man. That was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, that the was fact cool. that they still use it and Hera's like, they're not going to see it on their scanners. And by the time they see it, it'll be too late. That, I just <laughs> loved it. There was that one line about it where the stormtroopers see it and yeah, they like, I kind of like it. 
Yeah, he's like, that's not regulation. The other guy's like, well, I kind of like it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was cool. Yeah, that was a cool thing to learn about Sabine, like her artistic, her artistic abilities and what she does. Yeah, that was really really cool. Chris, any uh, last thoughts on uh, episode uh, season one of Rebels? Yeah, yeah. I it, it definitely. This was a great experience to rewatch it again. A couple years removed from from watching it because. It reminded me of why I love Rebels so much and really the origins of these folks. Um, the, the, we didn't really dive too much into like the character arcs and themes, but I do want mm-hmm. to take just a moment to talk about Ezra's grief about losing his parents mm-hmm. and connecting with the family. Mm-hmm. Um, the familial yeah. uh, relationships and learning how to be a family working together is, I mean, that is so perfectly executed in season one. And I think for me, the cherry on the top of of that was when Ezra discovers the data disc that he says, hey, my parents used to record messages all the time. He couldn't get a message off the data disc. So Sabine took it, cleaned it up, and gave it to him on his birthday. And it was the image of Ezra and his parents. And that to me, not only, um, you know, that was a pivotal moment, but it was a pivotal moment for Ezra to earn like the familial trust. Like, oh my God, like they recognize my past they recognize my grief sabine has you know her issues everyone has their own things going on but that to see that and then it, it also further cements as the watcher like okay this is the this is ezra's you know entire origin um right here and this is his his basically um i guess motivation is to to figure out what's going on with his parents uh i do want to say that the voice actors were perfectly cast as well oh, i yeah. Right. can always hear their yes. voices whenever I see them, even in still images or in comics or in action figures. I can hear Freddie Prince. Like, I mean, really, Taylor Gray, Vanessa Marshall, they are all perfect for those characters and they're iconic now. And I will forever be grateful to whoever the casting director was for that because, I mean, I can hear yeah. it now. Yeah. I can hear it now. And that goes throughout all the seasons of Rebel. Every mm-hmm. single voice actor was fantastic. But, uh, Love it, love it. I can, I can definitely use some more Inquisitor. So you know, Lucasfilm, if you want to yeah. put out some Inquisitor, yeah. Grand Inquisitor stuff, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> so. You know what I didn't know is that when they did the voice recordings, they actually all worked together at the same time, which is kind of rare when you do voice recordings. Yes. You know, you take one person individually and they do their lines, and then hear the other person's lines. But I was watching like uh, the old Rebels Recon episodes. And uh, Vanessa Marshall said that they would kind of have like a meeting in the middle of the studio and they would feel that camaraderie of kind of what you see on screen as well, too. That's awesome. So that when they were um, doing their performances, they were right there with each other, which I think is great. Yeah, that is cool. cool. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that is really, really cool. I I do have one more quick note. And it was another thing that I just noticed for the first time rewatching. I believe it was the third last episode. But um, third or second last episode, but uh, you got to watch it as a three series arc anyways. But the there's one point where Zeb, Sabine and Ezra take off uh, on the Phantom to go rescue Kanan. And they are flying from the surface of Lothal through an explosion of TIE fighters. And as they go through, the smoke actually turns into the Phoenix symbol. And I never saw that before until I rewatched it. And it's so cool. It's such a subtle Easter egg and nod, but like 
yeah, go rewatch that. That and and if you've never watched Rebels season one or you don't want to put the time in, it's a it's not a, it's only fifteen episodes. You can get it done in an afternoon, yeah. really. But the last yeah. three episodes in particular are really great, and uh, it's yeah. it's in one of those three. Yeah. No. Yeah. There are so many. Again, I mean, yeah, we could talk about this for another three hours, but like <laughs> the, the the animation and like how they shot this entire series, let alone episode, you know, season one. It was good. I mean, it was just, it felt cinematic at times. Yes. It felt like you were watching like a movie. Like it was, yeah, it was, it was good. It was just really, 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 really great Star Wars storytelling and overall like just great Star Wars uh, to a T. So, I mean, right. Dave Filoni is, is who he is. He's great. <laughs> yeah, let's just, let's just call it what <laughs> as it advertised. is. Yeah, he is as advertised for sure, for sure. So yeah, that guy, that wraps up our season one of Rebels Talk. And now we got some uh, Ask the Gals questions that we're going to do. And then we will bounce on out of here. So we got a couple from the Star Pours podcast. Uh, Their first question is, which planets from the movies were your favorite to revisit in Rebels? Ooh, that's a really, really, really good question. Um, I mean, Mustafar, that was kind of cool. I mean, they didn't go too Musafar, mm-hmm. but they were in that system. So seeing that, I kind of dug that was kind of cool. And what Hera said to before they went to Musafar is, you know, Kanan told her that's where Jedi go to die. So that right. I mean, whew, man, that was that was a heavy kind of a cool, right. uh, great little callback and uh, fun stuff. Any uh, what about you, Ange? Any favorite planets um, that they visited? Yeah, I couldn't really come up with any. You know, because of season one, all you really get is like Mustafar. Most of the time you're on Lothal. When you get later into, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the other seasons, we start to go other places like Mandalore. And what's Hera's home home planet? Ryloth. Ryloth. Yeah. Um, And then Yavin 4, I think we're at. Do we go to Yavin 4? Yeah. Yeah. Yavin 4. Yep. We get there. Yeah. But, um, you know, I like that. Because of Rebels, Lothal now seems like one of those home locations that we all know mm-hmm. now. So right. I really connect with Lothal now. Yeah, no, 100%. Chris, what about you, my friend? So, I, I mean, just like Andrew said, I can't really think of any in the season one. If we look at the full context of, of Rebels as a series, I think probably to me the most, um, probably the most emotional one that ties in is Tatooine in the twin sons mm, episode, yeah. which is oh, yeah. um, a spoiler <laughs> alert uh, <laughs> where Maul finally catches up with Obi-Wan. And uh, right. now I, I, I notoriously kind of like, I kind of frowned on Mandalorian going back to Tatooine. Cause I was like, Oh man, back to Tatooine again, um, yeah. which eventually redeemed it's itself. I, it did. Yeah. but Twin Suns and Rebels, where they go back to Tatooine and visit that planet, is just, it's A, it's an exceptional episode, but B, that's the backdrop, is Tatooine. You get to see the Twin Suns. Uh, they, but Malachor, you guys mentioned Malachor. Although that, that was never seen in the mm-hmm. cinematic universe, uh, as like a super Star Wars nerd, that was really cool to see. 
Um, that was cool. That's right. They yeah. went to mail. That's when Vader shows up and Maul shows up, all of that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In season two. Yeah. Yeah. That was. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. I mean, the, this this series only got better. I mean, it really did. It Each did. season just got. Oh, <laughs> it, it went higher and higher and higher, honestly. Honestly. Yes. Okay. So then uh, Star Pours, uh second question to us was. Characters from Clone Wars also appear in Rebels. Which were some of your favorite and why? Oh, man. Um, I think we talked about it in this uh, here. Ahsoka was great. Having Ahsoka yep. come uh, appear back. You have, obviously, in later seasons, again, guys, we not too much spoilers unless you have seen Rebels. I mean, obviously, it's been out for a while, but some people haven't watched it. But uh, later seasons, you get um, some great cameos. I mean, you get Rex back. Uh, yes. You have uh, Han- version of Rex. Yeah, by the way. Hondo, Hondo Anaka comes Hondo. back. Hondo. I love Hondo. Yep. Yes. <laughs> he comes back. Um, yes. I'm trying to think of other. I mean, oh, we got Wolf and Gregor as oh, well yeah. from Clone Wars. So I mean, just and then some of the we go in one. I think it's season two or three with Rex. We go back to a planet. Uh, we go back to Geonosis. A couple times. Oh yeah, that's and, right. Uh, see, Clack. Yep. The clack, yes. Yeah. The clack. 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 And then we. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of what other. I mean, there's just there's a there's a lot of great connections between you know Clone Wars and Rebels throughout this throughout the series. Yeah. So I mean, what about you guys, Andrea? Any any ones that sub- kind of stick out to you? Yeah, when we saw, like I said earlier, when we saw Luminara. That was pretty awesome. That was cool. Um, Because you were kind of wondering, like, what her fate was. And then to kind of see that they used her for bait. And even in her death was super interesting how they even did that. Right, Um, right. And then, you know, I know Bail Organa showing up at the end of the droid episode. That's your boy, Lauren. He was there as well, too. So (laughs) That is my boy. um, I know Dave Floney said he never wanted Rebels to seem like it was a continuation from Clone Wars, which I don't think it does. It seems more like a a pre-story to A New Hope. But I do like how they did weave in things from clone wars so that the story was cohesive yeah yeah chris what about you my friend yeah and andrea to kind of piggyback off that is i think it's cheap and and i think it's a cheap way out when people say it's a continuation of clone wars and i think it's so not it actually when people say that i think it just kind of minimizes actually the the actual intensity and emotional weight that rebels carries so um it's not that technically continuation um there is there's a couple other characters i think for me is like a deep cut would be wolf ularen uh who if you're a hardcore empire fan like you'll you'll get that one there was that one um the clone there was an episode where they visit a planet where like there's all these clone uh i'm not i keep saying clone uh battle droids and there's that battle droid super commander and i don't remember the name of that battle droid super commander but definitely was in clone wars um, to me, it was Hondo. Hondo is just like, I mean, Hondo is one of my favorite characters. And I, stud, I seriously, right? I'm holding out hope that we're going to get a Hondo, live action Hondo in the Mandalorian uh, when the Mandalorian visits uh, the Black Spire outpost. That's my, I, I've said it before. That's my oh, goal. That'd be great. That'd be great. I would love to see a, um, a fun mission, a fun smuggling mission with the Mandalorian and uh, Hondo. 
<laughs> like just to tie it into Batu um, would be incredible. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, that's my, my pipe. So, I know I kind of that's not Rebels, but no. uh, it's still fun. It's still fun. <laughs> it kind of is, though. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's cool. Uh, but that's a great, great question. That or kind of great what you what you said, Chris, because Semper Fi Danny, and with our last Ask the Girls question. She says, will we see any live-action Rebels characters in either Andor or Obi-Wan Kenobi? Ooh, I, not I feel, I Yeah, I, I feel Andor is, I think, the spot where we could see any see those characters for sure. Just because of where I think that timeline falls and what we know about of, of Andor and how he was a fulcrum. And obviously, eventually, we know the ghost crew kind of gets involved with the bigger rebel cells. So, you know, maybe seeing them, a character pop up within that show, I could see, I mean, obviously in rogue one, we see the ghost and we see chopper. Yes. So, I mean, it, I think Andor would be more of the spot to maybe see some rebels characters, maybe pop up. Obi, I think, I don't think Obi one just because of, I think that story is really going to focus on him and some other stuff. I don't think we'll, I don't think we'll get any rebels in that show. But I think Andor, I think Andor has, I think, great possibilities. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I love, this is my favorite type of question. So thank you, Semper Fi Danny, because my, I love to just create headcanon and right. like link <laughs> right. possibilities together. So to me, I think with Andor, wouldn't it be interesting if we saw Agent Callus in live action oh, and, yeah. and, and on a mission where Andor has to get in and infiltrate a Star Destroyer or some compound and then that also adds more character depth to Callus. Like, God, these rebels just keep evading me, but learns about Fulcrum <laughs> through Andor, right? Like that would be cool and kind of sets Callus's path to becoming a Fulcrum eventually. Um, I think that it would also be interesting to see one of the Phoenix uh, or Ghost crew members in Andor. I don't know who it would be. If it would be a, a young Sabine, maybe escaping Mandalore and her family, we get to see that story, how like she gets away from her family and has to find a new rebel unit. But then wouldn't that establish like a connection that anyways, I'm kind of like playing through things in my brain. Uh, that would be right, cool. Right. But I think with Obi-Wan, <laughs> the only connection I, I could see making any amount of sense in a six part limited series would be an episode related to another moment with Maul. And maybe that's the title of the episode. Another moment with Maul mm. on the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Uh, <laughs> I, I really, I think that. Kenobi. <laughs> Kenobi. Yeah, like, right. Like every, it seems like every single Star Wars animation has some type of Obi-Wan and Maul story. Why not add it to the live action? I think it could be something innocuous. It could be something very mm -hmm. safe where it won't really cross too many story or timelines, but uh, wouldn't that be interesting? I, so that's to me, I don't, I don't see any now, if, now if Semper Fi Danny would have asked the Ahsoka series, I would have said, yes, I would have said, yes, we would have seen Ezra Bridger mm -hmm. and we would have seen Ron and Sabine and yeah, the whole, the whole cast yeah, of characters. Sure. I, man, I can't tell you both how deeply I wanted to see a live action Hera Syndulla in the rise of Skywalker. I really yeah. thought that we, it was teed up by the pre by the trailer where they showed all the, uh, the ships. They had that real quick teaser footage of all the ships at the, at the final battle. And you see the ghost. And I was like, Oh my, could you imagine a Harrison Dula? Like, you know, ghost squadron checking in. It's just that brief, brief cockpit cameo. 
oh, Vanessa Marshall right. deserves that. Deserves that. So I would love to see that someday. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, that, yeah, that's good. That was good. Angie, what do you got? <laughs> I mean, personally for an Andor, I honestly want some sort of like Kane and Jarrus cam- cameo. I oh, think bringing yeah. in like a slight Jedi um, experience into that show, because I think it's going to be so far removed from Jedi and Force lore that maybe to somehow bring, if you're going to bring a Jedi in and Force lore in, in that timeline, I think it should be Kane and Jarrus and what he's doing to survive in that time and then also get involved in the rebellion. So, and plus, I think live action watchers and fans need to see a Kane and Jarrus, you know, because not everybody watches animated shows and right. Kane is such an inf- influential character in Star Wars. I think I would like to see him in live action for Obi Wan. Who knows? Uh, mate, I mean, if you remember in the Twin Sons episode, Obi-Wan sensed Ezra Bridger and knew of Ezra Bridger. That's so right. if anything could come oh, out of that, you never wow. know. So you never interesting. know. Interesting. Yep. I like that. I actually the whole mall thing that you said, Chris, is interesting because it could be one of those things where Obi-Wan still kind of senses him out there. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. a huge I mean yeah. that's a possibility. Yeah. It is it's not too that's I don't think that would be far-fetched for him to kind of sense Maul still out there because obviously he wasn't surprised to see him when when they do see each other in that twins right. in that yeah, episode. Not at all. So I mean he he was he, and we know Obi. He he ain't stupid. <laughs> he he's oh. fully aware of what's going on, very much like Yoda. So that can make total sense for Maul. Not maybe not a full cameo, but like voice just, or like a vision something yeah, like where he yeah. senses them makes total sense in that i think oh, that would be really this. really cool yeah that'd be cool that'd now be great I'm thinking, now i'm thinking okay i'm gonna sleep well tonight so. <laughs> i love it that's cool I, I honestly, i've thought of a million different possibilities for obi-wan i don't know why it was i mean it's so obvious that maul should have some type of part, even a brief part in that in that series, because the connection between those two right. characters is so deep. It's deep. So yeah, it's, too, it's too deep. Yeah, too deep not to maybe not to hint at or something. Yeah, 100 percent. Right. All right, guys, that's it. That's our season one Rebels Ooh. episode. Chris. Nice. Thank you so much, sir. So glad we yeah. got you on. Absolutely. Uh, so much fun, as always. Where can they find you? Uh, anywhere on social medias or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm doing a toy show. Okay. It's called Finest Editions, and it is all eras of Star Wars. All collectors are welcome, whether you collect food, pez dispensers, uh, <laughs> if you collect awesome. giant R2-D2 Pepsi coolers that they gave out as promo items. I So, like, I have this crazy... I've realized something about myself. I came to a truth like uh, like many Jedi do. Uh, I'm like a super collector. And I guess I was kind of like just denying that for a long time. So uh, Finest Editions is my response to being a super collector and being part of the Star Wars collecting community. I do uh, at least two videos a week. I try to do one live video every couple weeks, and it's a lot of fun. You can find it on Instagram at Finest Editions or on YouTube at Finest Editions. Uh, but it is a blast. And I've, I've met a lot of great collectors all over the world, actually. And I'm, I'm really happy to be doing this show. So it's a lot of fun. It's really cheesy, too. That's it's a awesome. grown man playing with toys. So if you're, <laughs> if you're in a grown man playing with toys, you're coming to the right place. 
<laughs> Nothing wrong with that, my friend. Nothing right. wrong with that. <laughs> uh, again, thank you so much for, for joining us, Chris. Honestly, we, we love having you on. So appreciate you jumping on with us to talk some season one of Rebels. Uh, guys, I hope you like this episode. If you love this episode as much as we did doing it, uh, you can listen to this and more on the Galactic Podcast. We can be found on uh, pretty much any platform of four podcasts spotify apple google all of it so just uh look us up you'll find us and you can follow us on twitter at galactic pod for all of our updates and whatnot and then you can follow me lauren romo at lauronos on twitter and instagram you can follow me andrea gutierrez at r2d two-step on twitter for occasional (laughs) star wars shenanigans (laughs) Just occasional. Just occasional. (laughs) Chris, if you want to end our show with a good May the Force be with you, let's give it to him. I'm honored. Hey, everybody, subscribe to the Galactic Podcast now. Do it. Love this show. Thank you for having me. And may the Force be with you. Always. Always.